This episode is brought to you by marketing consulting firm, the Bonafide Lyrics and Marketing, LLC, where creativity meets business. You can check us out at www.theblm.com for more information on how we help local artists and creatives maximize their business presence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love, No Fear Podcast. Hey, It's hey. the All Love, No Fear Podcast. Hey. Check hey. us out. Hey. It's the All Love, Oh, No Fear Podcast. podcast uh-huh, podcast. uh-huh. All Love, Oh, No Fear Podcast. Hey. What up, friends? Countrymen, boys and girls of all ages, uh, greetings. Greetings from us here at the All Love No Fear podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Appreciate y'all. Not countrymen. Yes, countrymen. And I guess non-countrymen. I don't know. We, maybe people that aren't countrymen listen to the podcast. So I guess non-countrymen too. Um, yeah, we got to include everybody. We got to be inclusive. This is an inclusive podcast. Okay. We don't discriminate here. Well, except against stupid people, but you know, it's a very case by case situation. You know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, welcome. Welcome. This is season three, episode 20 of the all love, no fear podcast with me, KB and we are Mark Meta poetic Bennett. That is me. We haven't done this in a while, by the way. What? Introduced ourselves? <laughs> Our actual names. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, listen, it's it's out there on People the things. figure it out when they get here. I mean, listen, just go do your Googles. I don't know what to tell you. It's out there. The information's out there. You hit with the Google me? I mean, listen, um, I'm not saying that, but I am saying the information about our names is available if one does a quick Google of the podcast. So Word. just saying. Just saying. Um, sorry, I apologize. Oh, in advance for my yawning. This is what happens when you're recording episodes after a full day of activity as opposed to um, recording early in the morning like responsible people. Like we should be doing. Like we should be doing. But you know what? Life happens. Word. And sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And that's it. Word. How was your Period. week? Period. How was my week? Yes. Um... I think it was good. I can't remember much, to be 100% honest with you. Um, I feel like if something bad happened, I would remember, but I don't remember <laughs> anything bad. So I guess it was good. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess, guess it was good. How about you? Not bad. Okay. Oh, yeah, my week was cool. Um, just trying to get everything together. We have a housewarming coming up. Yes, yes, yes. And everything needs to be done. Yeah. So we just trying everything. to get things together for the new place. Yeah, I'm just like, ugh. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just too much it's that like school is ending like I work for a school and so I think finals are this week and the semester is kind of wrapping up so it's just a lot happening on multiple sides here so yeah, yeah. We, we gotta stop yelling yeah let's get it let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> we, we sound first I'm gonna stack my dough word, word. and what um, Man, I'm so going to stat some out. Okay. Shout out to people on all the platforms, yeah. um, on our website, on who found out through social media, 
Friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Yes, appreciate you. Friend of an enemy of a friend of a friend. Well, I don't know about friends of enemies. It's just I don't know. Really. It, might, it might be cool. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you don't know. They might be cool. They might not be also, but I don't know. I guess. That's an option. Um, we're going to get right into our love it or lose it segment. Word? Love it. We're already there? Okay. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I was like, we're not, we're not there. No, I, didn't we say hi to the people like that do you? Oh, you said you don't do the the listing of the things anymore. Yeah, I said all the platforms, and you. Okay, this is the All Love No Fear <laughs> podcast, season three, episode twenty. That's right. Okay, all right. So yes, love it or lose it, we're here. Love Tell it us more, Mark. Or lose it. Hey, love it. Or lose it. Hey, 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 love it. Or lose it. Hey, love it. Or lose it. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, Sorry, we just we just did the most, and we apologize. Well, we don't. So, love it or lose it. We don't apologize. Time. I'm lying. Um, it's artist things, but it's things that we don't do. Explain <laughs> what it is. Oh, to so the love people. it. So love it or lose it. We usually have four choices. Um, one person Ooh, has four those, choices. Please, gotcha. <laughs> I'll give you. I tried to give you my best pit bull, even though I said yeah. trace wrong. <laughs> your Spanish, your Spanish speaking is so bad. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. You, you gotta start speaking Spanish. You have to stop <laughs> I doing don't it. speak Spanish. Find, find another language, please. <laughs> First of all, I will not tolerate this besmirchment of my good name. <laughs> I am very good at language pronunciation. Just by not, the way, just at the Spanish ones. That is rude. You are very good at every other language pronunciation. Just. That's not Spanish. I I don't feel like that's a fair assessment. I mean, I feel like I do okay. I feel like I've heard words. Listen, I'm not worse than Mike Bloomberg, so that's the bar. Yes, Mark. <laughs> the that's bar is the Mike bar. Bloomberg. Yes, that's, that's the, the bar. bar. Then yes, okay. If that's if the bar is better than Mike Bloomberg. Okay. Yes, the bar is better than Mike <laughs> Bloomberg, and I'm above that. Okay, so, I guess if that's the bar, then okay. Hey, and then hollering in the dance of for what? Um, but yeah. Third way. Anyway. So, Third way. So, love or lose it, you usually have four choices. And only one person knows the four choices. And you have to choose one you're going to lose, throw away, never want to see it again. And one you want to love, hold on to, never let go. And the four choices are, for this one, are artist things. Um, so... We, I believe, I think we're both creatively talented in, in multiple things. Okay. In multiple okay. things, and there are four things that I don't think I am that creatively talented. <laughs> I might be there with you on the four as well. <laughs> All right, and I want to know which one. I guess out of the four, which one are you more most likely to try? Uh huh. And I guess we could try if we wanted to. And which one are you most likely to like? I, I'm never going to try this. Okay. All right. All and right. the four choices are drawing, painting, sculpting, and photography. Hmm. Drawing, painting, sculpting, and photography. Um... I actually have an interest in all four of these things. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying we like. I'm interested in them. I just, I just don't know how to do them well. Um, <laughs> I would probably say hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it, it is. It is. I feel like drawing would probably be my lose it. Is it is it because of your skill set or is it because you're just not interested in it? That's two different things. I think it's both. Okay. Yeah, like I like I took art classes in school or whatever. I don't I don't think drawing is my ministry. Um and I do don't you wish you knew how to draw? No, I do not. Okay. So that's that's why okay. I do not. I literally look at people who draw and I'm like, that's nice. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't feel any type of like, oh my god, I wish I could do that. No. I literally be like, Oh, that's what's up. Like I'm glad that you can do that. Like that's that's lit. I don't have any desire to to know how to draw. Like it's not, like I I see how it could be helpful for certain things in terms of like design and like you know like you know if I wanted like a tattoo or like somebody to like make me some art or if I wanted to make myself some art and save myself some money, sure drawing would be like super great. But it's not something I desire like if I could do it I'd be like okay but it's not like a, oh my god I really really want to know how to do that no no I'm fine okay I'm fine I think so let me explain my choice before I choose it the reason why I would choose this one for lose it is because I feel as if if, if there was an opportunity to learn each one of these there's a class for each one of these and guaranteeing that I'll know how to do it well by the end of the class, photography would be the one I really wouldn't care to take. Hmm. Interesting. Go on. And I think that's it. I, I, I like I respect the art. I just I think everybody in the world tries to be a photographer, and I think that's what it is. Shade, <laughs> no shade. If it applies, and okay. everybody, everybody just puts a, picks up a camera. Like I've taken a nice photo every once in a while. Yes, I you have. have. <laughs> like, so, like, I haven't done the other three nice, not once yet. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Man, how many times I've tried? <laughs> That's fine. You're still like, eh, so, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah. But I haven't tried. So, I think that is why I say I, I, I like the other three are skills I feel like I would want to know how to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, they all seem very interesting to me. Okay. Um, photography, I feel as if I'm not saying like I think you should definitely learn how to do because there's certain things you got to know how to do with angles and lighting mm-hmm. that you might not know. Right. So like I'm not saying that it's not a hard thing to know how to do. Mm-hmm. I I I think it would challenge the other three would just challenge me more okay. outside of my comfort zone. Gotcha. 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 So what is your love it? My love it. Uh, would probably be, I'm, I'm trying to decide. I think it would probably be painting because I, I like, I like painting. I like, you know, and I like color. So I like being able to like make things happen with color. And I think the thing I like about painting is that there is no such thing really as like a messed up painting. Like there's so many, well, I've never done one, but I feel like there's like, when it comes to painting, I feel like it's very fluid a lot of times. And you can kind of, even if you make a mistake somewhere, like there's like an artistic way with your brush strokes or doing some type of splatter technique or something where you can kind of make the mistake beautiful. And I feel like 
you get you get the opportunity with painting to just kind of let like just kind of let the brush lead you like to me it's almost like coloring where it's just like you just let the the you just kind of choose whatever colors you it's it's very mood based to me so it's just like I feel I feel like it's 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 a lot of freedom that one has with with painting I think that's why I like semi enjoy slash semi don't enjoy paint and sips because a part of me is like yeah I appreciate the direction but also can I just do whatever I want? But that's not the point of the painting set. Like the point is for us all to do a painting that like is in some way similar to the original one shown to us. But like, I feel like I never want to follow the rules. I never want to listen to anything anyone says. It's a character. I don't want to call it a flaw because that's rude um, to me. It's, it's just a part of who I am. And I think painting kind of helps me have the the freedom to express how I want. Like I love photography and that's definitely something I would love to learn more of, but I feel like photography is kind of like I'm photographing something that already is as opposed to painting where I am. I'm creating what it is and I may not know what it is until it's done. Even if I go in with something in my head, what it might be when it's done might not be the same thing. And so I think, you know, the, the ability to create and make something um, in, in painting and, you know, I like colors. So having the opportunity to play around with that is also super exciting. So painting would be my love it. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth between drawing and sculpting. Okay. For my love it. Um, I, I'll, I'll say drawing cause I think I, I want to do drawing longer. Okay. Um, like they're 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 very close to each other, um, in terms of drawing and um sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that drawing, like like I said, you you can create things, and I think creating creating. I, I'm amazed by people who can draw and create a lot of things with just a pencil. Facts, facts. I've seen some people do some. Really amazing stuff with just like some charcoal or some pencil. I'm like, yeah. you know what? So I, I think I'm, I'm amazed by that. I'm amazed by how much you can do with just a pencil. Not and, and with was just a black pencil. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm amazed by that. Um, uh, I, I think that is. I think that's why I think. I think drawing is making something with something small. And I, I, I think I think. Um, I always wanted to, I guess, learn how to do certain things, but I, I feel as if it's just—I feel like you have to have a certain eye for it, <laughs> for it and everything. But I, I do, I do also think sculpting is is cool too. I think sculpting is like, like I say, it's, it's creating something and trying different ways to put things together. But I, I, I think I'll, I'll take. I think, yeah, I think I think drawing is my love. It though. Okay, okay, that's what's up. I figured that's where you were going when you were like, you don't care about drawing? I was like, oh, he, that must be his love it then because you seemed a little flabbergasted <laughs> that I chose it as my listen. But okay. Okay. I feel like you're a pretty decent drawer though. In, in what context? Well, compared to me. I mean, I'm, I'm awful. So I feel like I've seen you draw stuff and I'm just like, oh, that's nice. You did it better than I ever would. So you're already starting off like leagues ahead of me when it comes to like drawing success. So go you, go be great. Take a drawing class. Be the best you you can be. I, I, I think my issue is I'm very um 
technical mm-hmm. with like how I can draw. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to be less technical with my art. My art. I'm very technical with my art. Technical. I'm very much like straight lines, angles. Like I'm, I'm very like realistic. I, 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 it's hard for me. I'm not, I'm not, it's hard for me to be abstract in my art. Gotta be abstract, man. It's hard for me to be abstract. I'm I'm very, I'm very like technical art, art person. Because you're a graphic designer. Yeah. That's, I think that's why I'm able to do graphic design because that's, I, I can be, I'm very technical with my art. That's, that's why graphic design was so easy for me to do. I mean, I guess. I guess. So you chose boredom, is what you're saying? I don't like how you said that at all, actually. <laughs> I thought that was disrespectful how you said that completely, <laughs> to, to be honest. I, I can appreciate you sharing your, your feelings about that. And um, that's, you know, communication. It's really important. It's not boredom as much as I, 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 can, I can put a formula to it. I, I have a formula to my graphic design. Snooze. Booty. <laughs> I have a formula. It's a formula to my graphic design. A for, like, when, I, when I'm creating something, I, I, I create a formula. Even though it's like a different formula, and it's like a formula only I use. Um, it's not like a formula that I research. It's just like, there's a formula for this, this part. And like, but I, I, I look at everything and like parallels and formulas and like... Sizes have to make sense. Like, is, is it like it has to make sense and be parallel and different, like uniform? It's just it, it it works especially for designs. It just works for that when you're doing things like that. Um, I also it also works because like looking at imperfections, I can see imperfections and it helps. So it just, it just helps out a lot. Graphic design. Okay, okay, whatever works for you, sweetie. If it yeah. works, it works. It does, Mark. You, you're doing really great in your life with the things that you have just said. You've applied the things that work for you, that make sense for you, that you enjoy. And you've made it like a, a life, a life, uh, a life's work, so yeah. to speak. But like, but it's like, I, the reason why I say it's, um, I understand it's still creativity because I'm creating the formulas. Yes. For yes. It. So it's not like formulas that um I create the form. It's just say I think I do the same thing with poetry. I I've I've created a formula like I I write it in formula in like stages. I'm like all right, it has to go like this. It like it has to make sense to me. It has to formulate in a certain way. Like the problem is, it's hard for me to get outside of my formula. That's the problem. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. The problem is with me trying to reach outside of what my formula usually is. Huh. Like I've I've modified my formula thing, but it's like it takes time to model modify it for me to like. All right, this makes sense. Now I can modify it. So that that is where the problem lies. I see. I see. How do we work to get past that? Let's. And that's why that's that's why I said maybe drawing will help out because drawing it to be more abstract. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. You brought it full circle. You pulled it all together. Yes. Drawing it has to be more abstract. I realize. Um, um, and figure out how things work and be able to visualize something. Word, word, word. word. Um, 
And that is the love it or lose it segment. It's yes, love it or lose it. it. Yeah, yeah, love, love it, it or lose it. Hey, love it or lose it. Hey, love it or lose it. Hey, 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 If you have any questions about love and lose, please catch us. Uh, email us at holovenofearpcast at gmail.com. We absolutely have to stop doing this when we're tired. We absolutely must stop it. I, I, I tell you this. But we, but in, okay, in, in your defense, you do tell me this. You do. However, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to be that tired by the time. And then the minute I put these headphones on, I'd be like, I could, I could go to bed. To be honest, my with suggestion you. is always like Saturday or Sunday morning every time. I know, but like I don't be. Mm-hmm. It's like the weekend, and you're trying to make me work, and it's just okay. Then it's just then be tired. Wow, way to be supportive. I'm trying to give you options, and I don't like them. So, like, can we find some no, other ones? It's not works. All right. So, what you <laughs> well, how, for the, well, how for, does it work? Ready for the topic? I would like to know more about how it works with getting options. Mm, topic. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being topic. ignored. I don't know why I'm being ignored this way. Topic for the podcast. I don't topic want to. Topic for the podcast. I, you're being mean. Topic for the podcast. You're annoying. I just want to say that. Third fingers. I don't. What spirit, Mark? What spirit? Which spirit? <laughs> All right. Can you introduce the topic? I'll be back because I don't know if you're here. Our daughter screaming in the background. Well, not screaming. Scream is a little dramatic, but she is she is requesting parental um, intervention. Um, anyway, so this week's topic. Um, so we have noticed over the last couple of weeks, because you know the internet, um, that there's been some contra. Oh Lord, I was about to say the word wrong. Some controversy. Um, out there surrounding um, non-black people um, being uh, active participants slash representatives of organizations that are historically black in nature. So, um, I mean, I I shouldn't even say over the past few weeks. Um, Over the past few years, I've noticed... um, like white people who attend HBCUs or white people who are part of historically black um, fraternities and sororities kind of being very celebrated. Like the guy, Sam Whiteout, I don't know if you know who he is, but um, Google him, not Google him, like search him on uh, what's that called? Instagram. Like he was a thing a couple of years ago. He's a white Kappa. And I guess when they were like, you know, videos were going viral and it was a whole thing. They showed a video of him like strolling with some other Kappas and, you know, people was like, oh, let's get that white Kappa. And so he became like literally like uh, uh, like a, a public personality off of that video. And, you know, people were like, people were like, you know, really inviting him places and having him write articles. Like, I think he wrote an article or was supposed to write an article for like, the Harvard University like law review or something like that like 
he was really, you know, kind of getting a lot of attention um, because he was a white member of a historically black um, organization. And I don't know if for a lot of people that was the first time they had seen like a white Kappa. And so it was like, it was just very interesting um, that all the attention was focused on him and not on the other uh, Kappas who he was with who were black, i.e. the people who the organization was founded for. So um, I wanted to talk about that uh, a little bit. Also, fun fact, his sister is a Delta. So I guess they just said, we just do black people things. Um, But recently there was another photo posted of a, white young lady. Um, I don't know. I forget which university it was. I can't remember if it was an HBCU or not, but she was graduating from whatever school. And, you know, these days with the graduations, like people have the stoles and all the stuff and her stole had like the Delta Sigma Theta info on it. And she was throwing up her sign or whatever. And people were kind of in an uproar. Like, why is this girl being like pushed forth this way? Um, when she's a part of an organization that wasn't made for people that look like her. And, you know, it started a broader conversation about uh, white people in spaces that are historically designed to be black. And so I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit, kind of see, you know, what the feelings are, um, you know, because Mark and I kind of have different perspectives in the sense, you know, I went to a PWI, Mark went to an HBCU and, you know, it's just a different experience, like going to college when, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain something that, you know, that, that stands out about, going having the HBCU experience and the empowerment of like being in a for us by us kind of environment. So I did want to kind of talk about that a little bit today um here on the pod. So yeah, uh that's 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 kind of what uh what the thoughts are. And you know, uh another thing that kind of prompted this discussion too was uh a friend of mine and I were talking one day about, you know, how a lot of times, like, I don't know if it's intentional or if people know that they're doing it, but like, especially black people, like they almost act as if white people being a part of our stuff validates it or makes it seem more legitimate or worthy of people being interested in being a part of it, et cetera. And it's not just even with like colleges and um, organizations, but like even like my friend was bringing it up from, from the perspective of like church where, you know, black churches will get really excited if a white member comes or a white member joins and it becomes like a whole to do because there's a white person there. And it's like, but what's the big deal if there's a white person there? Like if they did it, like, why do we have to make it like, a, a huge deal or as if it validates what we've got going on. So it kind of led me and Mark down the road of, you know, like uh, white people at HBCUs and white people in, you know, historically black organizations or whatever the case is. So that's kind of what led us here in a very convoluted way. Yeah. I, I think th- this is my perspective on that. I don't think that we should prevent white people from being part of something, right? If they want to be a part of something, if they want to come to HBCU, if they want to join the organization, if they want to do that, that's fine. But understand they're coming on our terms 
to our turf, meaning this is how our organization operates. If you want to be a part of this, you do what we do as part of our organization. The problem that I have with that, with how we um, operate a lot of times is when white people come to our spaces, we change up to make it more comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. All right. So that the problem is, is that like that never happens for us. Right. We have to just adapt to white spaces. Yes. We have to adapt to whatever space is there. We have to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is anytime white people come into our spaces, we feel like we have to adapt. We have to change our words. We have to say how, say different things. We have to change, like we have to do things to change to make it more comfortable for them in their space. Right. When they when they're in our space, and that is that's no one issue. Mm-hmm. Number two issue is what you're saying is true. When a white person comes and does something in a black space, they're given so many more accolades Mm -hmm. for doing the things we've been doing for years. Right. And they're not even doing it that well. It's just that they're doing it. So, so. Because like the example of the guy I gave, I'm like, he was not the best shimmier on that line. Correct. So now, now we created this because white people are doing all these great things and have, they have um, this privilege that gives them benefits over us. And we're giving them benefits over Right, us. it's like for what? So, so, for what? So now they get benefits in their spaces and in our spaces. And where does that leave us? Exactly. And I think that is where the big concern is. Because like you're giving benefits to them in, their, in those spaces and you're giving the benefits to them in our spaces. Right, because <laughs> I think that's my issue when it comes to white people attending HBCUs. Like I was reading something. I can't remember where it was and I, I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it. But I remember reading something a couple of weeks ago where um, someone was talking about, I believe, Morgan State University, which is an HBCU in um, Baltimore, Maryland that was founded in 1867. So it's one of the older HBCUs. And um, someone who was an alum of that school was saying how it's changed so much in the last like 15, 20 years where they're, they're noticing like more and more white people at homecoming. And, um, somebody else was saying, um, Xavier university of Louisiana, which is another HBCU that's well known for its, uh, science and pre-med programs are seeing a lot of white and Asian students going there and, you know, getting their degrees from there. And, uh, they were also talking about how, you know, there's a lot of white people who just have, uh, HBCU granted, um, degrees, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate. And the issue I have, it's not that white people necessarily are coming to the schools. I mean, to me, HBCUs are on par with any other university. So if white people want to come there because they believe the educational quality is on par with your average PWI, I'm okay with that. I think my problem with it is HBCUs will pour money into these white, Asian, essentially non-black students because they're the quote-unquote minority on the campus. So they'll give them a bunch of scholarship money and opportunities and things like that. And market towards them. And market towards them. Meanwhile, the average black kid for whom these universities were developed and built in the first place either can't afford to attend or has to drop out after attending a year or two because the financial burden is just too great. So to me, it's like, how is a, how is an educational institution built for and designed 
for black people now inaccessible to black people, but white people can come there and just get a free ride. While like how many HBCUs are there? Like I way less than the amount of PWIs that white people can go to and, you know, potentially get the same opportunity in terms of scholarships, et cetera, et cetera. So I just kind of feel like black people already have a small pocket to begin with. And then you have non-black people coming, taking, coming and taking piece of the pie and further keeping young black kids out of um, the educational race and, and, and um, bettering themselves through education. And I'm not saying that black people have to choose HBCUs. They don't. They have all the choice in the world to do whatever they want. But I'm saying I feel like if there is a black person who wants to go to a historically black college or university, I, it's unfair to me that cost is the thing that stops them from going, but another non-black student can come and have everything covered while this black kid either has to forego college or go someplace that isn't where they really want to go or doesn't have the same educational quality simply because the black school can't give them or won't give them the financial resources to successfully attend. Correct. I, I think the problem is, and is like I said, is, you, they're, they're trying to market to um, white people now. They're mm-hmm. trying to do things to get more white people in because they feel as if, oh, we're we're trying to show that we're like, oh, they're, they're trying to prove they're not discriminatory. Right. And don't get me wrong. And, and we, 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 no, we go ahead, go ahead. So I I think that this is where the lie. Why why are you marketing to? It, it's my issue. I think, and and I, I realize that's what my issue was when I heard it with um with Drake in the first place with Drake and Kevin Hart, meaning like they are trying to market to a large audience mm-hmm. and everything. Right. They're like, I'm trying to market to the Lord because I want to market to the white people and I want to market to black people. So I move this way for that reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, I'm trying to appeal to them. So I'm, 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 I'm not only talking to black people. I have to, make, I'm, I have to let them know I'm talking to them too. Right. Right. Um, Kendrick doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kendrick does, Kendrick's like, I'm talking to black people. If white people like it, awesome. I'm not talking to you. Right. Right. And the funny thing is, when you talk, when you market to black people, white people still come either way. Either way. <laughs> because black, because, pe- because black people are the culture. Period. Correct. It's, it's like Talib Kweli. Talib Kweli has always talked to black people. His shows stay with white people all the time. <laughs> but he <Yeah>. doesn't. <laughs> Talib Kweli is a little problematic, but we'll yeah, but Talib Kweli, Common, I mean, like all of them. No, I understand right? what you mean. All, all yeah. the people who are like who have that, you go to their shows, it's like a surplus of white people at mm-hmm. the shows. <laughs> but because... But I, at least I feel as if when I'm there, they're still talking to me. Right. If you go to a Chris Rock show, it's a lot of white people there. Mm-hmm. But I know he's talking to me. Right. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, same thing. I know he's right. talking to me. Right. Um, same thing. Some HBCUs, they're looking for me still, and they're still focusing on me. Mm-hmm. Some HBCUs are still trying to market to everyone. Right. And everything like that. And that's what the problem is. The HBCUs, in my view, were th- there to like... We are here to help people, like help the universities who have. So you feel you feel uncomfortable in other universities all the time. Here's a place we can be home with other black people mm-hmm. and do that. That doesn't mean we don't only allow black people to come in, but who we're marketing to is black people. Uh-huh. <laughs> who we are focusing on are black people. Right. Why you can come, you can pay for it, and that's fine. But the, like like I said, if if the concern is. We have this. We we feel this issue is we have certain things 
and white people don't usually allow us into certain spaces. Mm-hmm. It is a discrimination issue. So you mean they get that benefit of that and the benefit of us is just insane to me. Right. I, I completely agree with you. I, it's, 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 it's like it happens in hip hop too. Like, like Eminem is talented. He's very talented. But how much like I'm not I don't doubt his talent. I'm annoyed by how much he's um, held up to the standard above everybody else. Before and I like I'm, I'm I'm annoyed by who's holding him up above everybody else. Who's doing it? White people. See, I don't know about it. I thought you were telling me black people was doing that. I don't care. But, but the, some black people too. But they have to stop smoking crack. Like that's the answer. But but a lot of black people do that too. A lot of black people like and a lot of black people put um certain white like you talking about with the churches. A lot, a lot of black people put white pastors above black pastors. Problematic. That, a lot of black people put churches that have mixed better than. Churches are all black. They think that those are worse than churches that are mixed. Hmm. So, like, it's, it's like we 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 always feel we always feels that like a lot of black people feel that all black spaces there's only all black are less than because it's not mixed with others. Mm-hmm. But don't do the same thing with all white spaces. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get into the all white spaces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But like, if it's an all black space. We always were like, oh, we need to get some other colors in here. Right. And it's like, for what? For yeah. what? What's the reason? They, and, we can stay where we at and they and can the, stay where they at and it's, it's still great. And, and the point, the point, the point is they can come. So like, I, I don't want, to, I don't want, I want, I want, I want just to understand what, what, what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that white people, Hispanic people, other races cannot come. My issue is us changing for that to happen. <laughs> We can have spaces that focus on our culture and focus on what we do. And if other people want to come be a part of that, that's fine. Stop changing our table to accommodate others. They come to our table the way it looks. <laughs> okay. I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> they come to our table the way it looks. The problem is we keep changing the table to, to accommodate others. I have no problem coming. The problem is when they try, we try to... Do things to over accommodate others, and at the expense usually of us. Right, right. At, at the expense of our culture. So, we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, our pastors won't talk about certain things anymore because we don't want to offend white people. Right. Um, HBCUs won't sit, talk about certain things or have certain um events anymore because they want to offend the white students now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like things like that. Right. <laughs> um. Or. Like, like, like I said, it's that it's the changing and the hiding. Like, like what you're saying. Why, why was that important that that Delta was doing it? What did she get a bunch of degrees? Did she do like if she were high high, high GPA? Fine, great, everything. But don't just do it just because she's white, right? Like the same way how the only way that we are applauded is when we are over and beyond. Only reason that we get we um they they put us up there is we are over and beyond everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only time they allow us in certain spaces. Right, right, right. They don't they don't let the average B and C black person in spaces. True T. They 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 always want the A plus <laughs> prime black person in there and then not pay us the right much we are anyway. But they um they want the prime black person. We'll let the most average black white person in there and, and applaud them like they're A plus, mm-hmm. and that's what annoys me sometimes. Right? They're like we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll applaud. We'll, we'll 
we'll just give them a we'll give them an A plus just for the effort of be, just oh you you came to our spaces <laughs> right we'll right. give them an A plus just for being a part of our space and that's that that's, that's, that's nonsense not for their actual talent like if they're doing what they got to do that's fine mm-hmm. but that's it <laughs> like don't don't just give it to them just because they they come in in their way that's ridiculous right right I completely hear you I completely agree with you I think from and I think I said this to you when we had the conversation. I think from a sustainability standpoint, especially like as a higher ed professional, I understand why the marketing to white people exists. Because the truth of the matter is, and this is a problem across all, not all, this is a problem across many colleges, not just HBCUs. Alum, alumni are not giving back to the college financially in the ways that they need to kind of facilitate certain things, i.e. scholarships, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There are colleges who don't have this problem. There are colleges who have billion dollar endowments, the Harvards, the Yales, the Princetons, those kinds of places. Um, And I mean, the reasons why alumni are, are or aren't able to give back vary, Um, you know, for some of them, like they just don't have it to give. Uh, others don't want to for whatever reason. There's a number, there's a variety of reasons why alumni aren't able to give back. But I think part of the issue with HBCUs, um, and this is not unique to HBCUs, but I'm just saying it in regards to when you're looking at it compared to uh, a large, not a large, but like a, 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 a PWI, for example. Alumni contributions are what kind of keep a lot of things running at colleges. Like a lot of these scholarship funds and things like that, where students can get aid and whatever the case may be comes from alumni donation. A lot of things, improvements and stuff like that, that they make on campus to buildings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Alumni contributions. So if alumni contributions aren't there, the college has to find a way to make up the money to do those things or the college just goes without for however long until they can get that. So, and the truth be told is a lot of HBCUs over the years have seen dwindling enrollment and some have closed down altogether, like Morris Brown College, for example, which I think closed down like four or five years ago. And then there are others, um, you know, like we all, we've all heard of the Spellmans, the Clark Atlantas, the Howards, the Hamptons, the FAMUs. Like there are certain HBCUs that are pretty well known across the board. But most people couldn't tell me where Bennett College is. They couldn't tell me where Shaw University is. They couldn't tell me where... Um, Johnson C. Smith is. They couldn't tell me where St. Augustine is. Like there's so many like little HBCUs kind of like peppered all over the country that a lot of people don't know about, black people included. And so those colleges are really fighting to stay open because alumni aren't giving back for whatever reason. They're not the, you know, the big four of HBCUs. And so they're struggling to pay the bills and stay open. And from an enrollment management standpoint, how do you get your bills paid? If you're not getting the donations from alumni, you're not getting the donations from, um, you know, big companies and organizations and people that give money to institutions because you just don't have that visibility. So what do you do? 
you you unfortunately or unfortunately have to widen the pool of applicants that is willing to come to your college. So whereas 30, 40 years ago, you might have been able to survive strictly recruiting from black high schools and other areas where there were predominantly black potential students, you now have to open the doors and make yourself more available to other people who might never have considered you and provide them some financial incentive to come because each student that a college takes is a potential alumni or alumna who will give money back down the road. There's a very interesting book I read like a couple years ago. I think it's called The Price of Admission and it's by a guy named Daniel Golden and it talks about um, the racketeering um, admission situation that happens in Ivy League schools. But I feel like one of the concepts that he talks about in that book is applicable to all colleges because most colleges are not for profit. Mm-hmm. So in order to keep things going, donations matter. And he was talking about in the book how um, a lot of these Ivy League colleges, when you see them like accepting like these celebrity kids and kids of people like Bill Gates and stuff like that, Sometimes it's based on academic merit, but a lot of times it's based on will this student and their family be donors to this college in the future? Mm -hmm. And so I think most colleges, if not all of them, are at this point looking at every potential student and and their family as a potential financial supporter of that college at some point, either during the student's tenure or after the student leaves. And so I while I understand the frustration of what you're saying as an, especially as an HBCU product where you're, where your feeling is we shouldn't have to bend to accommodate these other people. Um, we should still keep our own heritage and identity. Like I agree with you a hundred percent, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's a privilege that not every HBCU has like a Spellman can do it. A Hampton can do it. A Howard can do it. A FAMU can do it. But like a little, a small, like. But a Morgan Xavier can also. No. Yeah. No. The reason I'm saying that is because they're not on the, like, they're great schools, but they're not on the same level. Like, I know when you, we sat down and did an HBCU, like, tier listing one time. You consider Xavier and and Morgan to be in the tiers where Hampton and but to me, I'll be honest, outside of the United States, the only HBCUs I had ever heard of, hand to God, were Howard, Morehouse, Spellman. That was it. I had never heard of anything else. I had never even heard of Hampton. No, I, I believe until you. I came here. I, I know. And when I found out that there were so many other HBCUs, I was like, oh, my God. So, yes, while to certain pockets of people, a Morgan State and a Xavier may be popular, great, whatever you want to call it. You have to think about this, especially, you know, that higher ed nerding out here. But another pocket of people that makes monies for universities are international students, international students may not know anything about an HBCU beyond a Howard Hampton Spellman Morehouse. That might be all they've ever heard of. So a smaller college like a Xavier or less known 
a less world-renowned college like Xavier or Morgan State is going to have to work a little bit harder to get that student to come to them as opposed to a school that has brand recognition like a Hampton, Howard, whatever the case is. I'm not, I'm not, when I I say... um, But but, but my whole thing is they don't have the luxury to say we can, we can have these people here and not really do that much to, because it literally is their bottom line at the end of the day. Howard Hampton, Spelman Morehouse, those alumni go ham for their school and they're always going to give back. They're going to show up to homecoming. They're going to be there. They're going to sit on boards. They're going to do stuff. That's a guarantee. The legacy of those of those colleges, and I'm not shading anybody else, but I'm just saying based on what I've seen, the legacy of those colleges so, uh, is so deep, deep in the fabric of not just the people who attend, but in the fabric of like African-American culture as we know it today with, with the different people that have come out of those colleges, the different like political theories and thoughts that have come out of those colleges. It's like, there's a certain level of like people would like, if somebody called you today and said, we getting ready to close Hampton down, I'm sure you and every Hamptonian, you know, in New York would be like, absolutely not. We're going to get our penny. Like you would, you would never let it happen because your passion for what your college means to you and what it means to this country is so big that I know there are certain schools whose alumni would never let it happen. They would ne- they would, it, they just wouldn't. And because that recognition is there, you might get more people on your side to be like, Oh, well, you know, um, you know, I'm just giving an example. Like somebody like a, like a Bill Clinton, for example, he's, he's, he's from, he's been in DC for some years I'm sure if Howard was in some type of financial trouble, they could tap on him to get out there and speak on behalf of them and say, hey, let's try to help. Like, I'm I'm just giving like a a Morgan State and what I understand. They're great schools, but the knowledge, the the general name recognition just isn't the same. That's the point I'm trying to make. This 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 was what I was trying to get to. Um, The reason why it's a big issue when it comes to alumni has to do with legacy wealth. Right. Mm hmm. Um, a lot of times, the bigger PWI schools, they have legacy wealth, meaning you have family that have had money for a while. For yes, a long 100%, time. 100%. So a lot of times, they just have the money to help compensate that. Right. For that. Um, enrollment has dropped um, for HBCUs for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, um, it's been, I guess... Older marketing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everything. Okay, uh, I've 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 seen that stuff, and they've been doing the same. They've always been doing right, and it's hard to appeal to, especially just um, Generation Y, mm-hmm. not Y, Z, um, Z and um, upcoming A's mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and and also. The, and this is why I say that it's actually hurting because they're doing that. I'm not sure if that was if that's an effect or a cause, mm-hmm. because I it could also be because they're marketing that way is why people are not coming like that. Mm-hmm. Could be. So like I, it, it 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 could be it could be one or the other. Yeah, because I mean that is something I think black organizations are guilty of sometimes is just having antiquated ways of going about doing things and not really wanting to change. That's why um, I I was. 
I saw on social media this week that um, Hampton's longtime president has announced that he's retiring finally. And, you know, a lot of Hamptonians are very excited. They're like, well, maybe finally we'll get some, you know, some change, some new stuff, some whatever, because, you know, we've been doing the same thing for 40 something years. Something more progressive. Yeah, something more progressive, because we've been doing the same thing for 43 years with this guy. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see who the appoint. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, because it could be somebody progressive, or it could be some something else the same. So, oh god, we'll, we'll that, see would how be, goes. that would be tragical. Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was actually just looking up Morris Brown. Um, they're still open. Oh, I thought they, that they, I thought they, they closed fi- down. They filed for bankruptcy ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2019, they put forth another. They're looking for accreditation. Okay, they lost their accreditation ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 2000 Like a while ago And that's kind of what, What's been the issue Um So they, they They're fighting for Accreditation now Yeah Um yeah. They, they just they, they got approved For the first process But they still have a website Like their room is like 42 people But that Closed down honey No They're They're, they're, they're saying that Because the history of them Is, is important Yes yes My friend mama went there She alone yeah, it, it's actually the first institution in Georgia to be owned and operated independently by African Americans. So it's been like, it's a it's a big thing for like um, people to be a part of it, and like I understand why um, Morris Brown is holding on and everything, and they're trying to get back because like, all right, we're gonna ho- try to hold on. And stay strong, stay strong because of everything that's going on. But like I said, there are rumors forty-two people, so I understand you, you can see how they're they're f- trying to fight <laughs> to do what they have to do. But I I, I think I think um I think Morris Brown like they're they're gonna fight. Like I, I like we just re- recently watched Drumline where, where um Morris Brown was there and Morris what Brown Drumline yeah. And Morris Brown was on there, like how they, I guess they were using that for the marketing, but like they're they're, they're trying to do what they can. Yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, good. For, I'm surprised they're still open because I remember reading something a couple of years back where they were trying to do like a fundraiser. Yeah, to keep the like to keep the school open. I don't know if they were trying to do something. They raised four million dollars. They did, and they didn't meet. Yeah, the, that the, number. So they were saying, I guess we're going to have to close. But, this, but and this, I stopped following the story after that. So yeah, I guess they figured something out. The the problem was it was just mismanagement by the president, by Dolores Cross. So two thousand two. I hate when black women presidents be out here mismanaging the monies. It's like sis, there ain't that many of y'all out there. Just don't do that. Yeah, two thousand two. They lost their accreditation. Ten years ago, ten years later, the college filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. That's in two thousand twelve. Um, and in in and in, in an attempt to prevent foreclosure and sale of the school at auction, so he went for bankruptcy just to hold on to the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it won't be sold at an auction. It has settled its debt to the Department of Education. Well, praise the Lord. And in 2019, the college announced a renewed strategy to secure accreditation again, and then you know, grew on heaven. So that's yeah, that's trash. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad that they're still sticking around and fighting it out, and I really hope they recover and you know, yeah, come back to kind of like the place where they were because you know that to be to be around for so long and 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 to have really 
done such a great service to the black community, not just in Georgia, but in this country, it would be a shame to see the college really just closed down. I know some have, but I know Bennett College in North Carolina, they were having some issues, too. Um, I think they're still open, but I think they were having some accreditation issues, too, a couple of years ago. So it's like, and part of that, again, ties back to money because accreditation is based on a lot of things. And it's like when these accrediting agencies come to your college, like they want to see certain things have been done. Certain improvements have been made um, when it comes to like, you know, faculty training and, you know, faculty, um, faculty development and to, you know, how up to date they are with certain things and, 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 you know, what what the quality of the education. And a lot of that ties back to funding that the organization has available to improve those things. So if the organization doesn't have the funding to improve those things, the next time the accrediting agency comes around, they're going to be in bad shape and potentially lose their accreditation. So unfortunately, a lot of these issues tie back to there not being enough funds Uh, To facilitate certain things, which is why we're seeing more and more recruitment of non-black students to historically black colleges and universities. It's It's a a vicious cycle. It's a random combination of people who went there. Who? Some more. Mm. And Nene Leakes. Okay, that's... Nene Leakes did say she went to Morris Brown College. I do remember her saying that several times on the show. And, like, people have tried different things to, like, help bring them up. Like, Outcasts, Morris Brown's song was about the most brown um band was the person playing mm-hmm. so it's 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 um people have 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 tried but um i i like i said i i fully understand the funding but i, I just but like i said I, I i think my 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 issue is always been with like how they approach it i don't think you should prevent any rates from doing anything i think the um Changing your table for it, right? I, and, and trying to be trying, tr- changing your changing your stance to make black people uncomfortable, to make other people more comfortable. That is where has always been my issue with churches, colleges. I agree with you because, like, now you're 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 taking away from black people, <laughs> right? To make it more comfortable. That's a that's a to different, make space for white people. I think that, and, that that's a different thing. Yeah, like it's I'm like. Different. If you give in scholarships, give them to the white kids and the black kids that have yeah. the same qualifications, Which the same credentials. But don't give the black kid a hard time and make it impossible for them to come to a college that was created for them. But you just opening the door, rolling out the red carpet for yeah. the next non-white, non-black Correct. person. Like that, that's that, that's that, nonsense to me. That's what that's what's annoying. It's, right. That, I think that that's the part that bothers me a lot. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I get that education is expensive. But another thing that some of these colleges need to work on is how much they cost. Like, dang, come on. Yeah. Like, like, like it, it keeps like colleges keep going up. For and I feel like H- reasons. Yeah. And I feel like HBCUs at one point were very like affordable in comparison to your average PWI. But many of them are starting to be right on par. And it's just like. And I mean, I know there are a lot of reasons for that. It's not just, oh, they raising tuition for fun. Like. There are, there are reasons. There are things like, you know, people, students complain about tuition ri- raising, rising for a number of things. And when I was a student, I complained about it. But, you know, it costs money to improve the dorms, to improve the library, to improve the research labs, to hire better faculty. Like it just costs money to do it. And you as the consumer of the product 
shoulder some of that cost, which is, you know, annoying. But, you know, I mean, I, I am very curious to see what the new administration does with this whole student loan forgiveness situation, because I wonder if that would have an impact on um, the amount of alumni donation that um, HBCUs and other colleges in general see, because I feel like part of the issue is a lot of students from HBCUs, because they're not getting scholarship money, graduate with a great deal of debt. And so they feel like, listen, I can pay these student loans or I can donate something to the school, but both ain't going to happen. So, you know, if this student loan um, reduction or cancellation or whatever they want to call it takes place, I, I, I hope that, you know, I'm not counting nobody's pockets, but I hope that some of the funds that people save from getting that student loan um, forgiveness or whatever it is will trickle back down to the HBCUs and help bolster their their funds again. Um, I'm not in a shifting gears a little bit to the uh, fraternity sorority thing. I'm not in one, but I know several people who are and. I just feel like, you know, knowing what I know about this country and knowing what I know about the history of these organizations in general and why they were started and where they were started. I'm not even going to hold you. I'm a little confused about what's appealing about them to a white person. Like, I don't get it. Because to me, like. Well, I I, like, I, 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 can, I can tell what's what's appealing to him because like, but like not, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of a lot of white who um, that I've seen just by um thing is just like they they want to they want to be a part of certain sp- like t- two things um sometimes they just want to be a part of space they haven't been part of before okay that's number one so they try to be a part of space they haven't been part of like all right let me just go to this mm-hmm. to something different that i've been a part of right number two some white people have grown up with black people all the time okay <laughs> and they're like they're more comfortable around that than okay I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess from my perspective, well, the, the concern what you're saying is the the risen enrollment. I don't know what that's what's going on. That I, I like, like I, I think the ris, the the rise in enrollment. I'm not sure what that is. Right. Like I'm just like, and I'm not saying I'm necessarily against them joining. I'm just kind of like I would be very curious to know like what the motivation is to be it like. Might, it might just be scholarships. I don't know. No, I'm not talking about going to a black college. I mean, like joining like a, a historically black fraternity or sorority. It's like, oh, yeah. Is that what's, the what's, what's the reason? Uh, so, like, well, it looks cool to them. Why are you here? It, it, it looks cool to them. It, it's just like, like the, the like white fraternities and sororities. They don't really like they have events, but you realize that like black fraternities and sororities just. We just when do everything them, better. We do things better. We tend to look like we're doing a lot more stuff in the community. Right. It looks like we do publicly do a lot more things. And when you research it, it looks like it looks more organized. Okay. So it just looks like something better to go to. Okay. And especially if you like, you rather like, like it, like even, even if it's not true across all white fraternities, just, um, I guess his, if you're looking, if you feel like you're looking, you always for, look at white fraternities. It always looks like a bunch of drinking. Yeah, That's and I guess if like. you're looking for something with more substance and, and the whole drinking partying thing is not your idea of a good time, then I, I guess I could see it. Yeah, I mean, and, I get, and like just like you might like like if you see what like there's a stark difference between the two. I agree. So you, like, I agree. you might appeal to like one looks looks more appealing to you than another. Yeah, I mean, I just. <sighs> It looks like it's a stark difference. I, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. So I guess I'm white, just. Why do you like dancing? 
Are they good at it though? But some white people like dancing. So I'm not saying what's good or not. I'm saying some white people like dancing. Okay, we can all like things. Um, I I don't know. I guess I'm just sort of like, ma'am. I just sort of feel like I I just I just I just I'm like, but, but it's not for you. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't created for you. It was created because your people whether directly or indirectly, did not feel like black people were good enough to be a part of their organizations. So black people said, I'm going to start my own and I'm going to make sure that it's about scholarship. It's about brotherhood and sisterhood. It's about excellence. It's about uplifting I'm, the black community. I'm, so I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure it. why you're here, honey. I'm not but against okay. it. Cause like I realized with a lot of um, those organizations, usually, they have to come and do what we do. Right. Like right. you don't get an easier probate. You don't have to, you have to do exactly everything we do. Right. The problem I have, like I said, is what we said before is they're highlighted. And like the person was given like a talking gig and was giving, was giving extra things that black people can't get. Right. Or, is, or, or another black person in the same organization would have to be like super exemplary. Yeah. To get. To highlight. So like yeah. that is what my issue is. Yeah. But no, you, if if they want to, I have no issue with them wanting to join. If they, as long as they just, it's not easy for them, they go through the same thing everyone else goes through. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I I guess I just kind of give it the side eye. Like I'm not. I don't know if I'm necessarily against it, but I'm kind of. I understand like, the lack uh, of. I understand the skepticism because. Yeah, I you know, think I'm just skeptical. I understand skepticism because like you don't know what your intentions are. Right. Why are you? Why Why do you want to come? So I understand the skepticism, but. If 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 they come if they come to our table and they they want to come and like come to our table as long as you follow the rules I'm fine. I guess I guess I guess that's true. I guess I just have to maybe work on my on my general suspicion because I I feel like I deal with general I have general suspicion of it's, it's fine of, of white people when they but be they, they, when they be when they be white, like white actively have, trying to be in our spaces. I'm like, well, what you doing here? What's white up people you? have done things throughout the decades that warrant suspicion. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I understand suspicion. Yeah, I'm like, all but right. Like, but like on a in a general sense, they can do it they can join if they want to join. My issue is, like I said, is the reason why this conversation is happening is because people publicly highlight them as being exemplary for just doing the most basic of things. Right. I'm like And I think that is has always been my issue. My issue is we give white people like great, way too much, great, way too much for doing the most basic of things. Yeah, and we, we we don't our our average black people our average black people get nothing. Yeah, like our B and C B C D people. Yeah, like who we get they get nothing. They they get they get they they get talked to and treated like trash. Right. So that is that is my issue. We, I, I hear we, you. We, we give that we give the most to the most average of white people. Right, and it's just like all right, just just like we got to be. Twice as good to get accolades with even our own community. Like I feel like we got to keep the same standard going for yeah, like don't, don't non-white, non-black people in our stuff. Like they got to work twice as hard as us to to get the okay, good job. Yeah, be, be phenomenal, don't right? Like be, don't don't just be you know clapping for people just because oh they here and they not black and they here. No, okay, be, be phenomenal, not right? Be great, country. be great. Because I was watching a video on YouTube and it was um, members of three sororities and one of the girls, one of the young ladies, um, was half white and so she was saying her her mom, either her mom or her dad, I forget which one of them. Um, was a charter member of a chapter of 
some some fraternity i forget which one and so and she was saying she had like a member who brought her in who was white and she was like you know she's really cool really non-problematic whatever the case is but she's like i could also see like what the problem would be um you know if somebody felt like this person is taking up the spot of another black person who could be in the organization so i i just feel like you know yeah, like like <sighs> if the person is, is exceptional and great, right? But like, because, don't because, just because, don't just let them in the door. Oh, because we want like some novelty white person yeah. to kind of whatever. Because, because like I've I've because like like I said, anytime a black person is highlighted in a white space, they are exceptional, right? Like they 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 they're exceptional. They doing better than everybody. They're, they're, they're doing phenomenal. <laughs> they're everybody. And like that, that they're like oh, okay, then we highlight them. But like. Don't, don't just highlight any basic right and I'm not saying the young lady who we referred to at the beginning of the podcast is basic or anything like that all I'm saying is okay people graduate from college all the time honey okay like what like I, I just didn't understand why it was such a big to do I'm like I see these pictures of black black students graduating from college all the time why aren't we and they're part of organizations some aren't so why aren't we bigging it up in the same way big big up big up based off their merit not like just because they're a novelty or novelty yeah. or something you've never seen before. Because like it was just they graduated college. Or like if it was like they graduated college and they all got four great, we'll do that. But don't just be like they graduated college <laughs> and they're white and they're a, a Zeta. Like all right, girl, whatever, we don't care. Like kudos, congratulations, but okay, let's let's move on. Let's let's get away from the excitement because the person's white and they're in something black or affiliated with something black. And that's reason to celebrate. Cause it's, it's a little basic of us as black people to do that. So let's, let's not, let's not. Huh? Okay. Appreciate y'all so much. Um, we would definitely love to welcome your comments, your questions, your thoughts about this. Cause you know, this is, this is a very, um, difficult, not difficult, but, um, challenging conversation to have. And, you know, there are people who might hear what we just said and think, oh, we're biased or prejudiced or whatever the case is. And it's not that, you know, we just have a perspective as people living in black bodies in this country. But, you know, other people may have a different experience, a different perspective, a different way of looking at things. And, you know, we welcome other thoughts because we, we would love to hear an opinion other than ours that may, you know, possibly change our minds or just give us some different lens through which to uh examine the situation so we welcome your feedback um you can find us on instagram all love no fair pcast uh twitter all love no fair p1 our facebook page all love no fair podcast you can also email us all love no fair pcast at gmail.com or contact at all love no fair pcast.com uh we would love to hear your feedback thank you so much y'all Word. All right, now let us move on to our artist spotlight. So today's artist spotlight is drum roll. Bum 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 bum. His name is Mac Royal. And I actually found out about Mac Royal from, uh, 
I mentioned it here before, the Terrell Grice show. Um, so Terrell Grice, I don't know if I said it before, but he's a guy on YouTube. He brings different like artists, celebrity people onto um, his show and they do like a, a song association thing. And so um, one of the episodes I watched was Mac Royals. Uh, he's He has an amazing voice. He kind of gives me like a Tyrese vibe, like vocally, not like as a as a you know person because Tyrese is a person that's turned out to be interesting if you've been following Tyrese from since the uh Coca-Cola commercial you you see how things have gone um <laughs> but there's something about Mac Royals that reminds me of him um so he's from Little Rock Arkansas um he auditioned for American Idol back uh in 2014 as part of season 13 um uh, he's been out here just, you know, in these streets grinding, trying to get to um, the bag and become a singer and whatnot. Um, when he was on American Idol, he was part of the top 10 for the males. But, you know, he was eliminated. Uh, but, you know, he continued to grind and, you know, do his thing and put out music. And um, now he has a song out. I think he's working on like an album or EP, but he has a song out called um let it loan and uh, i'm just gonna play that for you guys so you can kind of get a little bit of taste of what mac royals is all about but if you want to hear more definitely go find that terrell grice episode definitely just put him in youtube and you'll see a bunch of different videos of him like singing on the street um singing at um different events and stuff like that so you can really get like a full scope of his voice but like i like what he's serving so here's mac royals let it loan
girl get together The magic starts to happen First we start Then we start Yes. Word, word, word. That word, was word. Mac Royals. Giving me like a little D'Angelo T too. Yeah. The, the, the song gave me a little D'Angelo vibe. Uh, I like him. His personality is just really like nice. Like he's just like a funny, you know, like kind of jovial kind of guy. Doesn't take himself too seriously. So I think, um, you know, if you go find his stuff, you'll you'll like him. So that's Mac Royals. Let alone. Uh, so yeah, that was our artist spotlight. Yeah, so um, what all is happening in the world? Uh, where do we begin? Um, we can random. So yeah, it's a bunch of things that took place. So, um, did you hear about Tiffany Haddish and how somebody down to the Grammys tried to play her out um, and pay her with exposure like she's not Tiffany Haddish? So, if you don't know the story, essentially, um, the the Grammys is being hosted by Trevor Noah this year or next year, I guess. And um, they typically do some kind of pre-show. And they asked Tiffany Haddish to host said pre-show, but did not offer her any money. They basically told her, you can pay for your own hair, makeup, the whole shebang. And, you know, the exposure will be great for you. And she was like, excuse me, I beg your pardon, the exposure. No, I'm I'm not coming to that. I decline. Thank you very much. But no, thank you. You can find another sucker because Tiffany Haddish ain't it. And I'm just like, did they really hit sis with a we can pay you with exposure? That lady has been in several movies like. Girl's Trip is the, the, she was the star of the movie. She was the least known person on the billing of that movie. And she's the one, the one who made the movie. So I'm just, I'm not seeing, she's been, that was her breakout role, but she's been doing comedy forever. She has a whole book out that was on the New York Times bestseller list. She's been in like three movies with Kevin Hart so far. You know, Kevin Hart, whether you like him or not, is like a box office, like, gold mine so i'm trying to figure out what exposure they were trying to give tiffany and she's currently dating common who is you know a pretty popular celebrity all things considered so i'm trying to figure out what exposure they thought they was going to give her to who exactly to who 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 were they exposing her to that's what i'm trying to get to the bottom line of 
Like the fact that black women still get disrespected this way in in these three, in three, these two thousand for three <laughs> hours, by the way, for three hours in the in these twenty first century days, the fact that a, a black woman as famous as Tiffany Haddish is is still having a people people approach her, will pay you with exposure is insane to me. What hope is there for the rest of us regular individuals who like really? Are trying to get to where Tiffany Haddish is or higher, and they telling Tiffany they gonna pay her with exposure. Stop playing with people. Stop playing in people's face. Stop it. And then I think the Grammys president came out and was like, "No, you know we didn't. Uh, that wasn't a Grammy. It was like another organization that's organizing the pre-show, and they're the ones who reached out." I'm like, "But did you offer to give Tiffany some money to maybe get her? Like, it's at least clean it up a little bit. I ain't even do that. Bye, Felicia. Y'all play too much." Um, don't do don't do Tiffany. Don't. Okay? Don't do her. Um in other music news, um Tiana Taylor uh has decided to quit music. And I thought that was kind of interesting given the fact that you know, a couple years ago the rollout of her Kanye album of the her album on the Good Music um imprint came out and she was like, "Oh, the album's out. It's crazy." Um, you mess with your album. You mess with your album. Like that's that's a crazy <laughs> that's a crazy question to ask somebody. So um, I just feel like and she put an album out this year, um, and I feel like I don't. And I'm not saying this in any type of negative way or whatever. I agree with her decision to quit music because I feel like Tiana Taylor is an insanely talented singer and rapper, but for some reason. She is not for the amount of work she puts in and what she puts out. She does not get the recognition that she deserves. And I understand how as an artist that is frustrating when you feel like I am giving these girls everything and they're not receiving it in the way that I want it to be received. What am I putting in all this effort for? And she's one of those Chris Brown esque kind of people who is like very talented at a number of things. Like Tiana Taylor is a great and I mean great dancer. She's also a great video director, producer, editor. Like, she's great at that. Um, so when she said she was retiring from music, I thought she was retiring from music to go down that lane of video editing, directing, et cetera, et cetera. But she announced that she is now the creative director of Pretty Little Thing, which is like one of those like uh, Insta fashion kind of things like Fashion Nova. Um, I had noticed for a while on her social media that she was promoting them a lot. So I was just kind of like, this is a really heavy brand ambassadorship happening here. But I guess she was kind of doing it as a rollout to say that she's going to be their creative director. So, I mean, kudos to her. Get the bag. Do something that may not stress you as much as like trying to work on music and put out an album and, you know, get your money. I'm not mad. Um, so last week we were in here talking about the versus. Um, Ashanti versus Keisha Cole And I was calling it for Ashanti um, But then Ashanti decided That she was going to be out in them streets And uh, somebody gave her the COVID And so <laughs> That's what that's happening Yeah like the week, the week of the verses Like Ashanti was in Kenya and Uganda And all over the place twirling in pictures and videos not And people twirling. was She was I saw she was a video She was she twirled I saw it <laughs> I saw the video. You saw the twirl? Yes, I saw it. And people were commenting under the video, like before the verses, like, sis, what you doing? You know you got verses on Saturday. Why you out there tilsy rolling? And sure enough, two hours before the verses is supposed to start, 
Swizz and them come on and they're like, yeah, so she got the vid. She can't. She can't come. And I mean, to her credit, she really did try. She was like, I reached out to Apple people and was like, hey, can I do it from home? I'm still willing to do it. And they was like, nah, girl, like the reception just ain't going to be good. So let's just wait until like you can do it. Yeah. And so I think she got on live um, and explained what was going on. And she said how basically she didn't get it from traveling. She got it from a family member who didn't know they had it. Like when she came back to the United States and that person gave it to her. And, you know, I think she got Keisha on the live and they kind of talked and vibed and whatever. And so, you know, I was disappointed because I was ready to see it because I was ready to be in my in my people face who was telling me Keisha Cole was going to win when Ashanti won. I was like, where, where, when I was ready to talk mad trash. But I guess it's postponed to January 9th. So God willing, we're all still here. Let's check it out. Let's get into it. It's going to be great. Um the other verses that's coming up this weekend that I just found out about is the E40 versus Too Short. I ain't even gonna hold you. I don't know much of their music beyond like one song each. So I don't even know if this is a verses I'm gonna be like tuned into like that, but I'm just ready for the <laughs> tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. Um and the um blow the whistle. Do like that's all I wanna hear. I don't I don't know nothing else from either one of them. So like I don't know how tuned in I'm gonna be to this verses, but like you know, California people be on a different way. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy for California that they got one. Yeah, like yeah, because this this is the first I, I, like, I think, West I think, Coast. Yeah, I think, I think they're starting to trying to like get make it at least very regional. Yeah. So like make it popular for each coast. Yeah, I'm like because mm. like because that's technically what the um what the Gucci Mane one was. It's just the difference was Jeezy was like a lot more in New York. Like a lot, he had a lot more songs in New York. Sorry, that hit New York than um Gucci. That's but, fine. Um, Gucci's still very regional, and this one will be much less tense. So I mean, you know, big big points for that because yeah, they're they're, yeah. Both, they're both on on Breakfast Club. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Who is still on Breakfast Club? Because I feel like every time I see a video, it's just Charlemagne. Is he the only one on Breakfast on Breakfast Club? No, it's just they're, they're just separated by the glass. Oh, okay. Because every video I see of a Breakfast Club clip is Charlamagne. I never see the other two. And sometimes one person's at home. Oh, okay. Social distancing. Oh, and, and also I think they got beef. That part. I was yeah. trying to get there. Yeah, I was like, I think Charlamagne and Angela Yee got beef. So I think Angela Yee does a lot of things. Is it home. Angus beef or is it Kobe beef? What kind of beef are we talking? Anyway, um, Sean, I'm <laughs> Angela, trying to specify Angela, what kind of beef people have. Angela Yee, a lot of times is at home. What she does the um, Breakfast Club. What, what kind of podcast is if, if if I can't ask questions and get clarification on things? What kind of I just I just don't see why I'm getting the eyes that I'm getting because I'm trying to figure out what kind of beef this is. What else is on the docket, Kristen? <laughs> Speaking of Charlemagne, uh, Wendy Williams has a movie about her life coming out that I'm going to watch because. Wendy, I used to listen to Wendy Williams when she was on the radio. Like I, I remember being in high school. I've always been messy. Lord have mercy. But I remember when I was in high school, I would come home from school and couldn't wait to get home to turn my radio on to listen to the Wendy Williams show. Because Wendy Williams was on there spilling tea, honey. She was telling everybody's business. That's why people wanted to fight her. because She was out here telling everybody's business. I will say this. Now, one thing she said was a lie. Everything she said, correct. 100% of the time. So, um... I my on one of my friends, um, Coleman. He he he, he was um, one of her bodyguards. Oh, okay. He was like, you know, it was ridiculous. He was like, we was trying to fire all the time. 
all the because time. she was out there in the streets talking wild. Like, yeah, so like his, she was like it was cool, but her body her bodyguards had to work mad hard to stop people trying to fight. All the because time. What, listen, you, I'll never forget that phone call when she was on the phone asking Whitney Houston some some wildness. So Whitney Houston says, "Sis, I don't know who you think you're playing with. I'm from Newark." And if we if we wasn't on the phone, I'd tell you meet me outside. If you was in Newark right now, I'd tell you meet me on the corner so we can square up. Because you obviously think I'm a joke to be on this phone playing with me like this. I was like, dang. Like, a, a few people got got uh, got bucked with Wendy on the phone. I was like, Wendy, you got to stop playing. Like, one of two people going to pull up and punch you in the mouth. So bodyguards were a great decision for her. Money well spent, I'm sure. Um, but I do want to see her movie when it comes out on Lifetime. Um, moving on. So... Uh, you know, the Electoral College has done their thing and for the 35th time have declared that Joseph Biden is the 46th president of the United States, which means that his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, will be the new first lady. So some hater ES white man got on the Internet's and somebody gave him a platform to basically say that she should take the doctor off of her name because it's just an EDD. It's not an MD. And so she's being pompous and doing too much. Meanwhile, he only got a bachelor's. No shade to the only got a bachelor's crew. Y'all went and y'all earned that. But what I'm not getting ready to do is some low rent, low budget, underdeveloped, underaccomplished, just poor, pitiful, pathetic, just beneath her piece of crap man sit up and tell that woman that she needs to take the doctor off her name because it's not an MD. That lady went to school for several years. She went back to school at the age of like 50 after she had been married to Senator Joe, had some kids and went back to school did her research, did her classes, wrote and successfully defended a dissertation and has gone on to teach using that, that, that uh, doctoral degree. So the nerve of this gentleman, I shouldn't even say gentleman, the nerve of this random, this, this degenerate, this, ugh, to sit, to, to write something like that like, I just couldn't like just just say that you hate women and go or just say that you hate women that's doing better than you and go. You don't need to write no whole article on The Washington Post or wherever you posted it. Like I side eye whoever even like read what he wrote and said, you know what? We should post this like this is legit. Like Joe Biden it's not seen, just posted. It was on Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Joe Biden is, from what I can tell. An unproblematic white woman who just minds her business. I could be wrong, but in all the years that her husband was the vice president, I never heard nothing about that lady. That lady seemed like she minded her business and did what she had to do. I'm not understanding why suddenly you're coming for her out of nowhere, out of the clear blue sky. I feel like even this whole time that Joe Biden was running, wasn't nobody talking about no Jill. Jill was in the cut, minding her business. So I'm not sure why all of a sudden this person just comes out of nowhere and feels the need to like try to disparage her and diminish what she's done like for no reason like why are you here what's your problem like go to bed mr epstein or whatever your name is go to bed leave that lady alone Ugh, get on my nerves i'm not taking it not this year not in 2020 not in 2021 either leave me alone let dr jill biden respect her 
Put some respect on her name. Worry about the doctorate you don't have, as Dr. Wendy Osefo said. Worry about the one you don't have. Don't worry about hers. Mind your business. Um, in, in other interesting news of this week, so Governor Andrew Cuomo of the great state of New York has been, you know, kind of a pseudo celebrity, so to speak, um, in the wake of, you know, how he's been addressing the whole COVID-19 issue um, in New York. And there were rumors, I don't know how true they are, there were rumors that he was being considered on a short list of people by Joe Biden to be his potential attorney general. Um, so this past weekend, uh, some rumors came out um, from a former um, advisor of his uh, who is now running for Manhattan Borough president, claiming that he sexually harassed her. Um, he has come out and said lies, lies and more lies. Um she kind of put it out. She didn't put it out to the press. She kind of like tweeted, he sexually harassed me. And then, of course, you know, the Internet went and dug up old tweets where she was like, Andrew Crone was a great person to work for. He stands up for women. I'm so proud to be associated with someone like him. And so people are like, well, which one is this? Is, is he a sexual harasser or is he someone who stands up for women, as you said? So I, I, my whole feeling is I'm not saying she's lying. But I do find it very interesting, um, the timing of when this is coming up. And I'm not saying that people don't have the right to tell their story whenever they feel empowered to do that. I absolutely believe there's no statute of limitations on someone telling their story. But I'm just like, huh? Like just two years ago, you were saying... He was so great. And you had been working with him for several years before that, at that point. So two years ago, he's so great. He's so this, he's so that. And now, now you're saying this? Like, what's, what's this about? Because he's been, like, in a very public position now with this whole COVID thing for months. Like, you could have been broke this story in March or April, honey. Like, I'm, I'm not sure why. It just seems very interestingly and strangely timed, all things considered. Um, I'll be very interested to see how it plays out. It doesn't even seem like it's really much of a story. Like, it feels like a blip. Like, I haven't heard anybody talking about it since the weekend when the winter tweets first came out. But I'll be very interested to see where this goes um, and, and how this plays out. But, you know, I, I just I just think it's, it was the weirdest news. I was like, what? Huh? Who, who said that? Who'd been saying that? So, uh, yeah, I'd be very interested to see how how this uh, goes goes uh, forward. Um, so, like I said before, um, the Electoral College did their thing. Um, the Supreme Court also flexed a little bit um, this past week. So Texas came to the Supreme Court like, you better tell Pennsylvania and Arizona and all of them to do whatever. And the Supreme Court said, actually, sis, no. You stay over there and mind your Texan business and let the people in these other states mind their business and run their election how they feel like they should run their election. I just don't understand how y'all can be mass selective. It's state it's states' rights until until the, the things don't go the way you think they should go. <laughs> I'm like Texas, the one place that we everybody trying to they're trying to make they their act own, like the Texas is a country. Yeah, they make up their own laws all the time and just trying to do what they want to do because right. and trying to say like no let us do what we want to do for our own state right but now but, you want to come regulate what four other states are doing I think not it's insane it's insane and you know I found this out this weekend too like there were literally 126 um, representatives in Congress who signed off 
on moving this forward to the Supreme Court. Two of them were from New York, um, one from somewhere upstate, and one from Long Island, Lee Zeldin. I'm like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself to having your name attached to something like this. Like, I, I really, I'm really, truly perplexed by the um, the insistence on dragging out this process and having the votes counted and recounted and all these court cases and like, y'all just move on. Jesus. Like y'all, y'all acting like that creepy boyfriend that doesn't want to accept the breakup. Like she broke up with you. Move on. Like, why are you still like showing up places and talking to her friends and just doing weird things? Like the relationship's over. Just leave respectfully, leave with your dignity. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? It's just awful. Fix it, Jesus. Um, in uh, entertainment-ish news, um, I forgot to mention this a couple of weeks ago, but like Sinbad, the comedian, had a stroke, like really bad. And uh, he's been recovering. His kids made a video saying he's doing better. He's starting to talk, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, just listen prayers up for Sinbad because, you know, he seems like a nice guy, like he minds his business. It's just, you know, real sad that, you know, he had a stroke because, you know, strokes are strokes are debilitating. Truth be told. Um, also, rest in peace to Tommy Lister, a.k.a. Debo from Friday. Um, he passed away last weekend as well. Um, they haven't given a cause of death yet, but the suspicion is that it might have been COVID. Apparently, it had COVID two times already, and it seems that he may have contracted it again. Um, but they haven't confirmed that. So, you know, rest in peace to him. Um, speaking of COVID, um, just a quick thing. So this, this, uh, like yesterday, day before, um, the first COVID vaccine was given to a nurse here in New York. And, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes, but you know, people are like, oh, they forced her to get it. Oh, it's a fake vaccine. Oh, it's this, it's that. I just want to know, and I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I legit want to know. I said this to my guest today. I understand the concern about, you know, what's in the vaccine. What are the side effects? Like, I understand that there's a lot of stuff that's unknown about this. And I understand why people are concerned. A hundred percent. What I'm trying to understand is where did people decide that the vaccine was engineered specifically to harm black people? Because I was under the impression that when they were making the vaccine and they were trying to get it out to as many people as possible, they were pushing it towards all the people. And if I'm naive and completely missing some section of the conversation where it's being specifically pushed onto black people as some type of experimental thing. Someone let me know. Like, I legit want to find out because I've seen a lot of comments like, oh, you know, the Tuskegee experiment. They did this and they did that. And yes, the Tuskegee experiment was awful. Like America should be ashamed of itself for that. But I'm not sure where the parallels are being drawn between that and the covid vaccine and black people's taking of the covid vaccine. So I just need someone to. Explain to me the connection because I'm not able to make it by myself. Yeah, like I, I, I like my my, my and thought maybe pattern, there's something I missed. So my thought pattern is just black people don't trust the government in general, and um, that, uh, yeah. for valid reason. Yeah, 
Um, I, I think, honestly, when it comes down to the um, vaccine, the main concern that I would have is just um, during the um, 45 presidency, he reduced um, the what what needs to be like the FDA standards, the FDA standards for um, approving um, of medicine and vaccines. So I'm worried about what the side effects would be for the vaccine. Yeah, like that's my like, concern too. That like I'm I'm worried about something like that, and that has to do with this the FDA standards of pushing it out because um they're trying to hurt and get it out right for the reason. And I understand why they hurt trying to get it out, but that would be my concern. Yeah, I, my concern has nothing to do with them trying to put chips in it because they they track us with our cell phones every day. They can track right, us like with we've, cell phones. we've already given them all pertinent yeah. info they could they, possibly they can track need. us through social media. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Um, like they, not, they track us at the airport when we take flights. Like girl, the people yeah. know everything. Um, vaccines tend to have a lot of different chemicals together. How chemistry works, just for the non chemists out there, is um, <laughs> how. Um, when certain um, elements yeah. work with other elements, it neutralizes themselves. That's how that's how chemistry works. So you're out here just listing ingredients that when working with other they, it works with other ingredients is fine. If you listed the ingredients that were inside your blood, you would feel like, oh, my blood's trying to kill me, which which sounds which sounds insane. So most of the time, it's not. <laughs> but like. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, just be mindful of just non-scientists telling you, telling you things. Right. Like, I'm not really sure like when we all hopped on this many conspiracy theories, but I feel like 2020 has been the year of the conspiracy theory, and I'm just like, good God, like, how do people have time for all this? Like, this is just all all the scientists aren't on the same page. That that sounds insane. all the scientists. Like, if 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 you don't believe any scientists, then who are the scientists? Then what? Who, who are the people doing the uh, doing the um, analyzation and examination to f- tell you the truth? Then, if you just Beats don't me. believe any scientists, Beats me, honey. Beats me. Like it. it like y'all. Y'all have unbelieved yourself into a box. <laughs> Seriously, it's like well, what? Well, what do you yeah, have now? Y'all believe yourself into a box that you like it's it that created its own fail safe that. All scientists are in on it. All governments are in on it. So if anybody tells you anything, it's not true. Anybody told you anything that's not what what you already believe, it's you automatically believe it's a lie because you already well because all the people who are experts you don't believe in. So like it. Like I want to tell you all something. Don't believe yourself into a box. Ain't no ain't no <laughs> way in hell. All these hundreds of thousands of people are keeping are good at keeping the same secret. There is no way. You can't even get a group of five people to keep one secret. I, I seriously doubt that all these people are, are making this up, keeping some secret, and all y'all conspiracy theory people are correct. I just don't believe it. Just, you know, numerically it don't make sense. But whatever, y'all. Uh just if you like I I, I I can't say that I'm particularly thrilled about potentially taking the vaccine because, again, I don't know what the side effects are. And, you know, I did see um, some reports saying that, you know, some versions of it trigger um, really bad reactions in people who have allergies. So I'm a little like, well, uh, hold on now. What do you mean? So, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to keep my good eye on it, which which makes sense because they, they only they didn't test it on that many people. Right. So it's just like so it's like. It, when you have a larger amount of people, a lot of test subjects. Best way to explain it. It sounds crazy, but that's what it is. That's what we are. 
when you have a large amount of people, a larger pool of people, then people are going to react to something differently. Right. It's the same reason. Like, just it, it, it happens in technology all the time. Like, the reason why the iPhone messes up after you get it is that's why you never get be the first one to get it is because they 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 can test it based off of their system and with certain tests. But they don't test against millions of people. Right. When you test against millions of people, like, oh, there's some nuances that we did not account for. Right. Let's now work on fixing these things. Correct. And that's that's kind of what's going on with the Pfizer vaccine. And, I, and don't get me wrong. I understand why that's like fear inducing. It's like, I don't want my body to be the experiment. Like, what if I start growing like a third eye or something? Like, I completely get the fear of of vaccines. And, you know, I was saying to somebody the other day, like. This is, in truth, the first vaccine that we've chosen as adults, many of us, Mm -hmm. because many of the vaccines we got, we got them when we were kids because we needed them to go to school or whatever the case is. For many adults, this is the first vaccine they're willingly choosing. And, you know, people are a little bit more like, well, what is this? What's in this? So I kind of understand, you know, people questioning. Yeah, it's it's the first time vaccine that we're around for the production of it. Right. Um, Because like that might have happened with others. Right, but what we were this is the first vaccine we're actually yeah, like we've been for. getting the measles, mumps, rubella joint forever. Yeah, you know when we didn't have no say or no choice or no conversation in the matter, it just happened. I think this is the first time that we're like we've seen the disease, we've seen what happens, and now we're seeing this vaccine come as treatment, and it's just like uh uh uh, it's a lot, and so I completely get people's skepticism and whatever the case is, but also like I need y'all to stop listening to like random conspiracy theorists who are just saying anything like just stop just stop just just take a moment and just like do a little just critical thinking for yourself i'm not even gonna tell you do your research just think about what's being said to you and like make some just make some sense of 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 what's happening word um so i think i mentioned uh a few pods ago maybe i did maybe i didn't i don't remember but um whoopi goldberg is um spearheading in some way a sister act three and apparently tyler perry is now on hand to direct slash produce it i don't know how to feel because tyler perry things are um are hit or miss sometimes producing and writing is different things though he usually writes his things yeah well he, if, not, if he doesn't write it then yeah thank god will be and, and whoopi goldberg's probably whoopi goldberg wrote the first one yeah first two so if like if he's producing he's a little different Yes, well, hopefully, hopefully we don't get any of Tyler Perry's writing writing shenanigans here. Because I had to give up on that sister show, y'all. I really tried, I truly, truly, honestly. But every time I would have it on, Mark would come in the room like, you don't love yourself? I'm like, uh, yeah, but I you, do. But I do it, love it, myself. It was a terrible show. He kept watching it. Because, like, it just, like, the storylines were so awful, I kind of had to keep seeing where it was going. You did it. I did. And I regret wasting my time now. But it's fine. I survived. Um, so yeah, I'll be very curious to see when that comes out. Um, did you hear about, um, Transformers boy and, um, his girlfriend? Transformers boy? <laughs> yeah, Shia LaBeouf. People might not know his by his real name, but like, if you saw the Transformers movie, you know what I'm talking about. So apparently my man's is crazy. Like he was out here dating FKA Twig. She's a rapper, uh, slash singer from, I think she's British. And she was dating, um, the Twilight boy and she broke up with him. And she ended up with Shia LaBeouf. And apparently Shia was out here abusing her physically, emotionally, sexually. He gave her herpes and then tried to front like, oh, no, it's not that bad. I'm like, except that it's permanent. So I feel like you should probably, you know, just share that with people, you know, 
just just full disclosure. Um, and then like he had these weird rules for her where like there was only a limited amount of time she could speak to like a male waiter and like she had to kiss him a certain number of times a day. And like he just had all these wild, crazy rules like he was on some other stuff. I'm like, girl. And I'm like, how you how you get caught up in this? But it's just I guess you'd be falling in love and then people be doing wild stuff, and then you'd be like, how I get here? And you can't figure out how to get out because you can't figure out how you got there in the first place. Like, even her manager was saying something like he would talk to her, but, like, he felt like he couldn't, like, get through to her because it was like he would be saying stuff, and she would just be like, uh-huh, okay, because she was just so caught up in what Shia was doing. And so she sued him for emotional damages and whatever the case is, and Shia kind of came out and was like, yeah, you know, my bad. I was on alcohol and the drugs, but... You know, I'm trying to do better now, but my bad. I was like, I don't think that's going to cut it. You're going to have to cut that young lady a check, sir. So I hope you've saved your Transformers money because you've given her an STD that she can never get rid of for the rest of her life. So you're going to need to run sis a coin at the very minimum for that. Um, and apparently, um, Sia, I don't know if you say it, Sia or Saya, the singer, the one who like wears the wig and covers her face. Um, the one that sings Chandelier, you know who she is. Um, she apparently also came out and was like, yeah, um, I had an awful experience with him as well. Like he tricked me into a relationship with him while he was in a relationship with somebody else. And he kind of pulled similar stuff with me. So I'm like, oh, Shia, 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 <laughs> looking crazy in these streets. But prayers up for FKA Twigs because that girl sounded like she went through it with that Shia. Just ugh, disgusting. Um, moving on to new music. So this week seemed like it was real nice in the music um, department. So this week we got um, Toby, Toby Nguigwe's Sync Originals. He released that. So like for the past couple of weeks, he's been releasing a visual and he released the full album this Sunday, this past Sunday. Um, Chance the Rapper and Jeremiah, who is on the mend from COVID, released um, a Merry Christmas Little Mama um, little, little uh, compilation. Um, Kid Cudi released Man on the Moon 3. I didn't even know Kid Cudi was still making music, to be honest with you. Um, no, I didn't, because I've seen him like acting and stuff like that. So I thought he just kind of like quietly moved away from music and was just doing acting. Um, the singer Kevin Ross, he released an album called Audacity Complete. Um, Fetty Wap, who I also didn't know was still mu- making music, made and put out an album called You Know The Vibes. And um, Gangstar, they put out an album as well. Um, one of the best yet. And so... I was like, this is a very exciting new music uh, situation this week. Because I feel for the past two weeks, it's been kind of quiet, dry, nothing really going on. Her also put out a single that's part of um, a soundtrack for this Disney movie. Um, and, you know, Herbie singing down. So um, it's it's lit. So get into that. I think it's called... Let me not be a liar. Let me find the actual name. But she she's singing on it. It's, it kind of gives me like a gospel... Not gospel, but like a... Like, you know, like an inspirational song type T. Uh, very, uh, very appropriate. I feel like you play it in church. It's real. Or do like a praise dance or something to it. Um, it's real nice. Um, what is this song called? Do you want to hold us together? Yes, that's what it's called. Hold us together. Yeah. So, you know, because I mean, you know I stand her. She's great. So, yeah, that was the new music that came out this week. If y'all know about some other new music that you think we would like, tell us. Because we're always looking for new things to listen to. So, yeah, that is it. That is our pod. Uh, do you have anything else? Um, just 
quickly shout out to Kevin Stage. Started he um releases Kevin Stage Studios app. Oh yes, where is it? How can we get it? Uh, I think it's on here. Honestly. Okay, well let's find you it and let's support. It. It's on Roku, I think. I think it's on um Amazon Prime too. Okay. But um, yeah, in the words of J Cole, I love to see a black man get paid. Yeah, he um he released the app where like he's going to start producing content. So it's, I guess it's his, it's it's his own streaming service like like the Netflix Peacock. He's created his own one so with his own content and his goal is to like promote black content, black creatives. So I I I see him doing a lot. So um, yeah, he, he this, got, this is his dream because yeah. I remember like when he first first came out, he was like, "I want to have a studio. I want to make movies. I want to do whatever." And it seems like he is yeah, he's and he's making it happen. And he said he kind of created it out of lack of people hiring him. Yeah, so man. People weren't choosing him for roles, and he kept auditioning. He was like, "I'll just create my own." But listen, sometimes you got to do what Tyler Perry told the kids. Tyler Perry told the kids two years ago what he said. Instead of waiting for other people to let you get a seat at their table, make your own table. That's what Tyler Perry told the kids. Yeah. And, he, and he's gotten a shout out from a lot of different people. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is big. Top comics and everything. Like, like I'm pretty sure like in his mind, he was like, he's just doing because he always wanted to do it. But he's gotten a lot of shout outs from a lot of people. Yeah. I saw Roy Woods Jr. Yeah. Um, comic, yeah. um, tweeted something and said, you know, this is a great example of somebody moving forward, but like going back to help everybody else at the same time. Like it can be done. And I'm like, that's lit. And you know what? Just to think, you know, Kev on stage literally came on you was like a YouTube guy, yeah. and is literally now at this point, it's like a per. You really can do this. Yeah, like it really like, is possible. Yeah, he he started just making. He used to put us a, a YouTube video every day. That's mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. Yeah, he's like every day I'm put a video out. Yeah, that's some dedication. Because I tell yeah. you one thing: what I'm not getting ready to do, but I know YouTube and, video. And, every and day. He still does it. He still every, to this every, day every day. So I guess we got in and saw Kevin back when he was, you know, back when he was, you know, just a little young blood, whatever, whatever, out here in these streets when we went and saw him how many ever years ago? Yeah. To get to now see him, like, you know, basically putting out his own streaming service, like, on par with the Amazon Primes and so on and so forth. That's awesome. So congrats to him. Word. Big things are going Big things that go on. All right, we at one what one fifty six, so we just gonna pack this thing up, take right. it home because I'm trying. I'm trying to make an under two hour podcast this week. Okay, okay. So let's pack this up. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We thank you so much for supporting us for just you know rocking with us week after week because you don't have to. You could be doing something else, but you choose to be our friends and be part of our fearless fam once a week. Uh, we appreciate y'all for being patient with us because this episode is coming out a day late, but not a dollar short, honey. So uh, thank you so much once again. And until next time, we, we bid, bid you adieu. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey, it's hey. the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey, check hey, us out. Hey. It's the All Love Oh No Fear Podcast. podcast uh huh, uh huh. All Love Oh No Fear Podcast.